Are you troubled by strange voices in your ears? Do you experience feelings of dread in your basement, attic, or car? Have you or your family actually listened to a spooky podcast? If the answer is yes, don't wait another minute. Just pick up the phone and listen to the professionals. Ghostcasters! Our courteous and efficient submitters are on call 24 hours a day to serve all your supernatural podcast listening needs as we count down to the latest release of the Ghostbuster series, Ghostbusters Afterlife, in theaters November 11th, 2021. Just go to the We Can Make This Work, probably, podcast network and upload your mobile PKE readings and audio recordings. After all, we're Ghostcasters. We're We're ready ready to to believe believe you. you. Podcasters Assemble is a production of the We Can Make This Work, probably, podcast network. This podcast is made possible by Lesak, the time-honored tradition of Quebecois swearing built over generations of frustration with the Catholic Church, bringing you such classics as Astique, Carlis, and Tabarnak. We at Lesak are proud to support the development of L'Aventure Sacre, probably the first but certainly the best video game to take Lesak and make them into a game mechanic. Lesak, helping Quebecois and Quebecois at heart vent their frustrations since 1830X. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the first episode of Thoughts from the Level Editor 2. This time, it's unreal. This is the official development podcast of L'Aventure Sacré, the game where we fight a literal volcano of negativity through the power of French swearing. Yeah, I figured that things were far enough along in this little side project I have here that I could record podcasts telling you folks about what's happening and how things are going with it. Now, all of the stuff that I said in that opening commercial and in the one from Thoughts from After the Election is mostly true. For a long time in Quebec, the Catholic Church controlled much of society. There was no real separation of church and state. And so people made swear words based on Catholic Church objects like asti which is the communion wafer, or tabarnak, which is tabernacle, which is the cupboard where you put the communion hosts in, or ciboire, which is the (laughs) thing that you put the estes in that you then put in the tabarnak. They're simple to use, but you can get very elaborate with them. Uh, For example, you can combine sock, and it's considered a more forceful swear than just using one. So Christocolis, the tabarnak, is a more charged statement than just simply tabarnak. And if you're like me and you've played too much Skyrim, this sounds an awful lot like the words of power. So I was, you know, writing down my hours on Peace Island one day and thought, wait a minute, what if I made a game where there were magic spells, but they're based on Lesak? So you say Asti, and they're like communion hosts that go flying out. I can make a game out of this. If none of that makes any sense, I've got a link to the work-in-progress design document in the description. You can go ahead and check it out. I actually would be very interested in any feedback that you guys have. Hopefully it will make more sense, or you'll just get more confused. Uh, in which case, please ask questions. So when I started development, it's kind of an arbitrary place to start, but really when you're just starting on a game, almost any place to start is arbitrary. I figured out how to create a terrain. Uh, in Unreal, well, not in Unreal, in Gaia, which is a specialized terrain creation tool, and to figure out how to uh, do what they call a landscape auto material, which is a fancy material that you apply to the landscape and lets you draw any kind of terrain uh, 
texture you want uh, with the associated vegetation on it. So like I can have an area just completely covered in forest, but start drawing like a gravel texture on it. And that's a path that the character can walk down. And I have the links to both classes in the description. One of them is $30 on Gumroad. The other, you need a subscription to the Noman Workshop, which is 50 bucks a month. But I think I get my money's worth because the instructors in those classes are professionals in the CG business. So they definitely know their stuff. And after making that terrain, I knew I needed a ticketing system set up to keep track of all the different details that go into making this thing and to also like not lose track of any random ideas that pop into my head that I think might be useful. I am pretty much making this game solo. Uh, I rely a lot on assets for things that I'm not particularly strong in like animations, but I haven't like paid anybody to do work on this yet. So really any time that I can devote to this is time that's outside of French classes and outside of Peace Island. So I've used GitHub's issue tracker. In fact, that's what we used on No Bullets in Hell. Uh, I've used WeCan, which is an open source alternative to Trello. I've used Trello. Uh, but somebody recommended this uh, app called Codex, which is kind of an issue tracker, but it's made by game developers for game developers. And for a solo dev like myself, I kind of have a system worked out that works pretty well for me. Maybe even better than standard ticket tracking apps um we'll see so tickets and codex are organized into decks and each user can have a hand with uh, a set of cards and the way i'm handling it let me just bring up my codex account is i have eight decks and they're all categorized by various aspects of the game so i've got game design code slash gameplay art music and sound bugs ideas which is really just like a bucket that i put any random idea about the game that i have going about the day uh marketing slash social media and things people expect that's features that aren't really going to sell copies of the game but they're the kinds of features that people expect to have things like the ability to save and load games um a pause menu a slider on said pause menu where you can adjust the music and sound effect volumes that stuff is all a really important part of the user experience but if you're not careful, it can get left by the wayside. So I take at least one card from each of these different decks, and I assemble a hand for myself. Uh, it's kind of something like an agile sprint, except I don't really hold myself to a hard deadline because, again, between French lessons and Peace Island work, my schedule has been pretty chaotic of late. I just start working through the different cards in the hand, and when I'm done with whatever is in one card, I mark it as done, and I return it back to the decks. And so when the hand is emptied, uh, I take a look at the cards that I've finished and I decide whether or not to archive them or if there's some extra bit of work that I need to do, uh, in which case I change the description so it reflects the new work that I need to do and it ends up back in my hand. To give you a very concrete example of this, I'm looking at my hand right now and there's two cards in it left. One of them is what I call end of hand commenting pass, which is go through all of the blueprints in the game or the source code files that I've touched recently uh, and make sure that I've fully documented it for my future self. Or I, I might upload the source code files to this game to GitHub just to show off, you know, that I can do this uh, stuff. And keeping that well documented is, of course, very important if somebody else is going to read it. But the other card in my hand is Record Thoughts from the Level Editor 2 Episode 1. And that came from the Marketing Slash Social Media deck. 
So yes, this is a glorified advertisement for La Ventire Sacre. You're welcome. Uh, uh, what next did I want to talk about? And so after making that terrain, I started thinking of this project in terms of rabbit holes. Complex technical or art asks that often involve stuff that I'm doing for the first time. Because this is my first big Unreal Engine project when I've done so much work in Unity. That can take a lot of time and effort, and even when I'm quote-unquote done, there are finishing touches that I could still add, even though I'm at a phase where I should probably move on to something else. And so it's not as simple as something that I can do in two to three hours of development after I'm done with Peace Island for the day. And the examples that I have written up here are parsing combined sack. If the player character does a sack with multiple words in it, like like how does it affect the individual words? What kind of attack and damage calculations go on in the source code? This can easily get more complicated if it isn't already than Fuss Roda in Skyrim. It's not just a matter even of calculating damage. I have to think about what this means for the animations that get played, what kind of particle effects these things spawn, and yeah, maybe I'm going to have to cut down the scope of this to make it feasible. I don't know yet. Another rabbit hole is learning how to do particle effects right. As you can see on the podcast thumbnail, I made a simple uh, streaming rainbow particle effect for the poop emojis, which are, okay, so yeah, most RPGs have MP, magic points for casting magic spells. The unit of sack casting is marb. Uh, which is mailed, which is the French word for shit, but it's said with a Quebecois accent, so it becomes marred. <laughs> so, of course, it makes perfect sense that the marred power-up would be a poop emoji. That was kind of a baby's first particle effects system. I did find an online class on Udemy. Why don't I put the link for that uh, in the description, too? Just gonna make a note about that. Put PFX class link here. And again, this is in Unreal, so what I do know about particle effects in Unity is not going to help me a whole lot here. But learning how to do particle effects right, I know that's a whole rabbit hole, so I haven't gotten into that yet. Third, yeah, combat, animations, AI for the enemy NPCs, I've barely scratched the surface on that. I mean, Jacques, the player character, like, he has the basic animation blueprint set up so that he can walk around and jump and and do the little sweeping animation where he fires the stees. And I do have the stees and some particle effects with them. But the combat between the player and the enemy non-player characters, none of that is set up yet. I did work my way through a Udemy class where you set up some simple melee combat, kind of a Dark Souls-esque sort of thing. It uses a lot of, I don't want to say spaghetti code, but certainly code that ends up convoluted and hard to maintain, involving, you know, invisible colliders and uh, finite state machine changes. Didn't do anything with Behavior Tree, which is uh, Unreal's out-of-the-box AI solution. And I learned enough about it to know that this is not the approach that I want to take with this game. So that's going to be a whole rabbit hole of you know, the characters damaging each other, setting up the appropriate animations, and setting up the AI to trigger those animations. Another rabbit hole is, yeah, as I hinted at the beginning of the podcast, there's going to be a giant volcano on the game world. Hey everyone, this is Editor Robo Gonzalez 9001. I think what Arjuna says next will make more sense if I read the story blurb from the L'Aventure Sacré design document. 
Jacques is a middle-aged artist down on his luck. After getting wasted on a strong Cthulhu wall bangin', he hallucinates the magical island surrounding Mount Bustabecos. Bustabecos is French for boss of the backhouses or boss of the toilets, meaning somebody up on their high horse. An active volcano that erupts not just lava and smoke, but all his insecurities, rejections, and discarded cartoon character ideas. Jacques must use the power of Quebecois swearing to defend himself, collect the magical Putin door to unlock the Putin door, which is blocked by a giant golden toilet, of course, and venture inside a cave at the foot of the volcano to gather the five words he has never been able to say himself. Je suis fier de moi. I'm proud of myself. And now back to Arjuna. The, there will be volcanic boulders that, you know, fly up and hit the ground, and the enemy NPCs will spawn out of those explosions. And there are several rabbit holes involved in there, but one of them is going to be, how am I going to set up a giant volcanic smoke cloud with some of the effects that I want? Maybe some lava, maybe some volcanic lightning, in a way that doesn't knock the frame rate down to single-digit frames per second. And I'm already getting a little bit concerned about frame rate because that I had to make some adjustments to the terrain, specifically the vegetation, because I was, you know, getting frame rate drops down to about 40 or 30 FPS. So, you know, I did things like decrease the tree and the grass count and, and set up fewer of those fancy photogrammetry boulders that have a lot of vertices in them. And that worked out. But I know that particle effects can definitely get expensive fast. So with all of that said, a lot of the stuff that I've built so far has been things that I can do relatively quickly. And they, and they at least give me an introduction to one of these rabbit holes without having to get too deep in the weeds. And, you know, there are other miscellaneous things I need to look into that I haven't, you know, fully gotten a sense of the scope of yet. Like, for example, I want to try upgrading this project to Unreal Engine 5. I did find a guide to making your Unreal project easy to mod. I don't know what any of that involves because I haven't looked into it yet. Oh, wait, yeah, it's intermission time. Uh, Pete's yeah, going to okay. tell you how his French learning is going. Bye. Let me give you the mic. Hey, everybody. Uh, yeah, it's Pete again, and uh, Arjuna asked me to tell you how uh, my French learning is going since the last podcast. I started taking French classes at the Boston chapter of Alliance Française. They're online, so I don't have to take like a five-hour drive or some shit. It's something I do while I'm still studying on Duolingo. I got to something like the fourth or fifth checkpoint in their language tree, uh, and I decided that what I really needed the most to improve my French was practice speaking. And I mean, Duolingo has some speaking exercises that go with the lessons, but it's definitely not the same thing as having conversations with a French teacher and other students for an hour and a half twice a day. Twice a day. Jeez, <laughs> I wish twice a day. Twice a week. Now, I've heard in a bunch of different places that you should stop with Duolingo, like, halfway through the tree if you're really serious about learning a language, but I'm still working my way through it, and it's still surprisingly useful. Like, I'll often learn a new word in Duolingo that then shows up in my AF class, or vice versa. Now, at AF, they have four 10-week classes per CEFR level. What's CEFR? I'm glad you asked. Our courses are aligned to the common European framework of reference. Uh, if you, it's, some people call it CEFR or CEFR. 
Um, and what, what the Common European Framework of Reference does is it, it, it gives you kind of six buckets of how well you know a language. There's really a seventh bucket, which is you don't know the language. Uh, so it's you don't know the language, then there's A1, A2, then there's B1, B2, C1, C2. So the A levels are the beginner levels, the B levels are the intermediate levels, and the C levels are the advanced ones. So C2, for example, is, is somebody that is just very, very highly proficient in a language. That's not even enough to just be a native speaker. The way I think about it is kind of Obama level uh, uh, speaking. It's just somebody that just speaks really, really well. Um, the A levels, of course, are just uh, uh, beginners, but you know, already if you speak a language to level A2, you can do a lot of things. Uh, so for example, you can ask for directions, you can have simple conversations, you can probably buy things, etc. At Duolingo, we try really hard to teach people to level B2. Um, B2 is, is a level that, that is enough for people to get a, a knowledge job in that language. So for example, if you wanted to get a job at Duolingo, we speak English here inside the company, and your English level was B2, that would be perfectly fine. Uh, and that's true of most companies. Knowledge jobs, are, you know, B2 is enough for knowledge jobs. And what we're trying to do with Duolingo is teach in all our languages to teach to level B2. We're not there yet for all our languages, but that is, you know, the thing that we're working on really hard. Thanks, Luis Van An, the CEO of Duolingo, talking at Duocon 2021. By the end of November, I should be halfway through B1. Sometimes I feel like I could get there faster. When I was an undergrad, I spent a summer at Middlebury College in their intensive German program. And so I have the memory of, you know, spending seven weeks doing nothing but eating, breathing, and living German. And how much I learned in that time versus when I sit down to do my homework for AF... And it'll sometimes take less than an hour and I'll get up from it thinking, wow, that wasn't a whole lot of time and effort at all. But given that I have Peace Island and L'Aventure Sacre to work on, I do think I'm getting my money's worth. I'm still supplementing all of this with uh, French language podcasts and YouTube videos, some of which I think I linked in Thoughts from After the Election. One bit of advice that I remember somebody giving me was that you should start figuring out how to do the things you do every day, but in French. And what that means uh, specifically for L'Aventure Sacré development is Arjuna and I when, I, when we're working on it, we try to find a French language Unreal Engine 4 tutorial that covers how to do what we want to do if we don't know how to do it. And so that's been especially useful for job hunting purposes because I really think it's important that I learn the vocabulary of video game development en français in a place like Quebec. As of this recording, Tout le monde en parle, which is this really popular show in Quebec, is still on its interseason break, but I think it's going to come back either tomorrow, uh, September the 26th, or the Sunday after that. So I'll start watching that again. I think I'm going to finish the Duolingo French tree by the end of the year. Um, and so once that's done, like the clip I just played says, I should be near a B2 level, but I doubt that I will. Um, so I'm probably going to find a French language game programming book, preferably something that talks about Unreal, uh, and start working my way through it. Um, it might not be directly related to LS, but it will at least teach me uh, some of the specialized vocabulary I need. Oh, okay, Arjuna's back. Uh, he'll take you back to the DevCast stuff. Bye. Thanks, Pete. All right, so to wrap this up, I'm gonna do a little live demo here of uh, what I have so far. Um, 
there is a scene that I have set up which has the terrain and the volcano. Um, it has a sky and weather system already from the asset store, which has a full day and night cycle, uh, randomly generated weather, so it can start off sunny, and then there's a thunderstorm that can come through. And, you know, it has vegetation and all of that, and I can start painting on terrain when um, I've got a better sense of the level layout. Uh, but the scene that I have open, in Unreal terms, the map that I have open, there's a level, I don't care, is called Gameplay Test. Uh, which is, you know, just some geometry that I can walk around in and test out the various systems that I'm building. Uh, I have little power-ups set up for, uh, to boost, uh, health and Mard. Uh, so I'm just going to hit play, uh, before I make sure that my sound is set up to record from Unreal. Yeah, as you can hear, I'm using the same background music that I had in the commercial. Uh, let me just turn that down a little bit. Okay, I've got right-click hooked up to shoot the Stees. Stee. Yeah, Stee. Stee. I can pick up the health and Mard pickups. It increases the health and Mard bars. Throw some more Stees. Stee. Yeah, Stee. Yeah, Stee. Yeah, why don't I quit right there? Hey, everyone. Rubble Gonzalez again. Arjuna wanted me to point out that he deliberately changes up the pitch and the volume on the stee sound effect to give it an extra weird dreamlike quality. And that's something that he gets for free with Unreal Sound System because that pitch changing is usually for things like bullet impacts where you don't want them to sound all exactly the same. Well, that wraps up everything I wanted to talk about. Uh, tune in on the next episode and I will probably be on the other end of one of those rabbit holes that I talked about. Um, I'm just going to pick one, set it up in my Codex deck, uh, cut scope as necessary, and just get to the other side of it. There's probably going to be a long gap between this episode and the next one, again, because I'm doing this on the side of Peace Island work, but I'll get it done as soon as I can. Until uh, next time. Oh, man, I really should say it in French. Au revoir. This has been a presentation of the We Can Make This Work Probably Network. Follow us on Twitter at ProbablyWork for more of our questionable content. Also, we have a website called ProbablyWork.com. <laughs>